Good morning, church. Y'all are just such a blessing. Please remember that. Y'all are just wonderful. Um, so while I was in seminary, I served as a chaplain at the Kentucky United Methodist Children's Home down in Nicholasville for about a year. And during that year, I got to serve and build relationships with some really wonderful teenagers. It is a children's home, but the residential program they had down in Nicholasville was primarily teenagers 13 to 17 or 18 years old. And these kids were just wonderful. I loved them so much, and I still pray for them today. But these teenagers came from severely dysfunctional and abusive homes where they were severely neglected or abused emotionally, physically, spiritually, in, in a variety of ways. And as a result of that abuse that they endured, whenever they arrived at the children's home, usually from out of these situations or from their own home or foster homes, unfortunately, when the kids arrived, they would often act very defensively and combatively. So they would act out in different ways, and with me in particular as their chaplain, they typically didn't act out physically. For me, they typically acted out by calling me relatively creative, explicit names. And it was kind of impressive sometimes. Um, but they would also make inappropriate comments about faith and life and inappropriate topics, and they reacted this way to try and get a reaction out of me or the other workers. Because in their past, oftentimes, whenever they didn't measure up to people's standards, the people would reject them. And so they were testing us when they first arrived. They acted defensively and combatively and acted out in order to see if we would abandon and reject them too. But over time, once they realized that we weren't going to abandon them, we didn't react, and we loved them, and we weren't going to abandon them. Once they realized that, then they really started to open up to us and show us their desires, their dreams, sharing their story with us, and some of them were pretty heartbreaking, or all of them were heartbreaking, but once they realized that we weren't going to abandon them, that's when they really started to open up. And when they started to open up with me about parts of their life, they really, many of them expressed a desire to return to their homes, even though some of them knew that their family was dysfunctional and that they were hurting, they wanted to return to the thing that they knew because to them, that was love, that was family, that was all they knew. So they wanted to go back. They wanted to be with their families and these family members are sometimes even foster families who were supposed to love and guide and cherish and provide for these teenagers. They didn't fulfill their roles as caregivers. Instead, they were neglected or abused. Instead, they neglected or inflicted severe emotional and physical abuse upon these teenagers. And as a result of that abuse and neglect, the teenagers had broken trust. They didn't trust anybody. And oftentimes they had an, a distorted understanding of who, God of who God is and what love is. And so many of them, especially during our chapel lessons that I did with them, they often 
showed to me through their actions and words that they didn't want to embrace Christ because they didn't trust anybody. Because when they didn't measure up to the standards of other people, they would be rejected and they thought Christ would do the same thing to them. So the cases I witnessed at the children's home were extreme. And for those of us who have relatively healthy families and have good relationships with our families, even we have things that we cling to. Things that we cling to that hinder us from entering into Christ's loving embrace. So I want you to think of something or some things that is preventing you from fully entering Christ's embrace. And keep that in mind as we go through our scripture reading and lesson today. So hear the words of the Lord from Mark 10, 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands upon them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you bow your heads in prayer with me? Almighty God, King of kings and Lord of lords, great healer, redeemer, and father. Let the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight and let our thoughts and minds glorify you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So before we dive into our gospel lesson this morning, I wanna take a brief moment to orient us with where we are in the gospel. So at this point in Mark's gospel, Christ has been traveling around with his disciples. He's been teaching and healing and casting out demons. So not surprisingly, word has gotten out that Jesus is a holy man and a teacher, and people were coming to him from all over the place to see him work miracles and to receive healing and blessing from him. But as Jesus is teaching his disciples, He's also teaching his disciples and the crowd about the kingdom of God. And at this point to his disciples, his disciples know that Christ is the Messiah. They know that Jesus is is the Messiah that they've been expecting and that he's come to establish the kingdom of God. But they don't necessarily understand what Jesus has taught them or exactly how Jesus is going to establish the kingdom of God. And so then we get to the point in scripture where Jesus welcomes the little children. Jesus is currently in Judea teaching, and a crowd of Jewish people have gathered around them. And apparently some people had brought children, even though the gospel writer doesn't specify who exactly brought the kids, more than likely it was their parents or family members of some sort. And they were bringing them to be blessed by Jesus. It's important to note that at this point in Jewish history, childhood lasted from infancy to about 12 years old. However, because children's lives were so unpredictable at this point, because the mortality rate among children was very high, as a result, children were considered unimportant, they possessed a low social status, and they had few legal rights as compared to other people in that society. 
So this doesn't mean that parents didn't love their children. Of course they love their children, just like all of you love your own children. They love their children in the same way that we do. But because of these factors, there was also this understanding that, you know, a child might not make it because of these various factors. And so they had a low social standing in that society. So, the, and also the fact that these parents and family members are bringing the children to Jesus to be blessed and healed by him also shows that they do love their children. So they just had a different cultural approach to things. So when the scripture states that the people were bringing children to be touched by Jesus, you have to understand that at this time there was this understanding and belief that when somebody was touched by a holy person or the belongings was touched by a holy person, then whatever was touched, whether it be a person or those things, a holy person's touch could bring healing and blessing. And so when people are bringing their children to Jesus, they are asking him to bless their children and, and heal them, whatever that child might need. And as people are bringing children forward to Jesus, the disciples rebuke the adults who are bringing the children. However, based on the social context, the gospel writer doesn't explain exactly why the disciples reject and rebuke the children from coming forward, but because of the social factors that we just talked about and the placement of this story within the gospel, there are several different factors that can explain what exactly is going on. So two factors are probably at play. First, the disciples know that Jesus is the Christ. And if Jesus is the Christ, then, and he's coming to establish the kingdom of God, then he needs to be talking to important people, not children. Children aren't important to people in that society. So they want to make sure that Jesus is interacting with the right people, too. Children were seen as unimportant and less valuable than adults, and they want to make sure that Jesus is talking to the right people. Why would Jesus waste valuable time on spending time with children when there are more important things to do for the kingdom of God? This could be what's going on in the, in the, in the disciples' brains when they're hindering the children from coming. So when Jesus hears his disciples rebuke the children, he is indignant. He's angry about the unjust treatment that the, that the disciples have shown the children. And Jesus is not needlessly upset because very recently, Jesus had taught the disciples about how they were supposed to treat children and the least important in society, and he'd been teaching them about the kingdom of God all along. So they just didn't get it. The disciples had forgotten a key lesson that Jesus had already presented to, to them. If we go back in Mark chapter 9, we see that while Jesus is in Capernaum, he actually taught his disciples to receive children or the least important in society in his name. So he, the, the disciples didn't do what Jesus called them to do. So Jesus rebukes his disciples by declaring, let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. As Jesus rebukes his disciples for their mistake, he also uses the moment to teach everybody about the kingdom of God and how to receive children, the least important in the crowd. When Jesus says, for to such belongs the kingdom of God, he does not mean that those who are childlike belong to the kingdom of God. The way the Greek sentence is set up instead shows us that the kingdom of God 
belongs to those who are childlike. The kingdom of God belongs to those who are childlike. That's how the structure of the sentence is set up. So, therefore, these children have a right to come to Jesus and they have a rightful share in the kingdom of God. How incredible and amazing is our God that God freely offers a share in the kingdom of God to the least important in society. How wonderful is our God that he offers us the kingdom of God. Each of us have a share because we are children of God. It is important to note, though, that Jesus is not romanticizing childhood or children. Rather, he's drawing attention to the general characteristics of children and their behavior. And this is made evident in his next words. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. We must receive the kingdom of God with childlike faith so that we can enter into the kingdom of God. When children receive gifts, they gladly receive with open arms and sometimes without a sense of entitlement. And gifts are not deserved or earned. Rather, gifts are freely given. There's no catch. Gifts are freely given. And parents often, they're supposed to give good gifts to their children. A parent wouldn't give a bad gift to their child or something that would hurt their child. And that's what God is like. God is our good father who gives good gifts to his children. He wants to be in relationship with us. Similarly, God freely gives the kingdom of God to all people as a gift. Nobody can do anything to earn salvation, to earn the kingdom of God. We will always fall short, but by the grace of God and the blood of Christ and the seal of the Holy Spirit, we are part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is our inheritance as children of God, as people of God. So we need to humbly receive what God is offering to us. But upon receiving the gift of the kingdom of God, we can't do anything we want with that gift. When we receive the kingdom of God, we also submit to the kingship, the lordship of Christ. Consider the way in which children receive from their parents. From the moment of birth, children are completely dependent on their parents for food, for shelter, for love, for nurturing and growth. They're completely dependent on their parents for physical, emotional, and spiritual and mental needs. Children have to trust their parents and elders completely to get these things in order to have their needs met and they must willingly receive with outstretched arms. Additionally, children grow and mature by imitating their parents, listening to their guidance of parents and elders, and receiving discipline from their parents. How many of you have said to yourselves later in life, oh, my parents were right about that? Or you might find yourself doing things that your parents did. I know I have <laughs> done that many times. I'll find myself doing something and I'll think, oh, there's my father or there's my mother, <laughs> which is a good and beautiful thing. So, and just like children imitate their parents, we as children of God are called to imitate our good father, God. God is holy, and he calls God's people to be holy, and we are called to imitate that. We can trust Jesus' words that we 
can receive the kingdom of God if we have a childlike faith. Just as children gladly receive gifts, they must also submit to the authority of their parents. In the same way, when we receive the kingdom of God, we must submit to the lordship of Christ and the authority of God. How we receive the kingdom of God now will impact our entry into the kingdom of God. When we receive the kingdom of God as a child, then we get to enter into the kingdom of God when Jesus returns on final victory because the kingdom of God is already here and not yet. The kingdom of God is already here in the form of the church and Christ is ruling at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, limiting the power of sin and evil in the world and guiding and shepherding and protecting his church, the bride of Christ, us. We are the church. But even though there's sin and brokenness in the world today, we have hope that when Christ returns some final victory, the kingdom of God will come in its fullness and there will be no more sin or death or brokenness or sorrow. We will get to dwell with the Lord in the presence of the Lord forever. He will be with us. And that's incredible. So not only do we get to receive and enjoy the kingdom of God now, we get to enter into the kingdom of God in the future. Once Jesus finishes teaching his disciples in the crowd, he turns his attention back to the children. However, Jesus doesn't just touch the children and bless them. Jesus embraces them. He blesses them and he lays his hands upon them. Those who were seen as the least in society were fully embraced and blessed by Christ and they embraced him. So now we are called to have childlike faith and to receive the kingdom of God like a child. How do we know if we truly have a childlike faith? I know I'm still growing. I'm still growing and having a childlike faith. It's not easy because we're human and we make mistakes. And with all the things going on in the world around us, it's sometimes very easy to lose sight of our Father in heaven. And so I'd like to suggest three ways in which you can kind of analyze yourself and see where you are in your faith. First, I urge you to consider how you view God. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of God? Is God a judge ready to condemn you and sentence you? Is he waiting to discipline you? without love, without mercy? Or is God a loving father? Someone who guides and provides, who disciplines, but disciplines with love, with the intent of helping you grow and flourish for his glory. What is your view of God? How do you view God? Do you fully trust? Because how you view God impacts the way that you receive him. So think about that. Second, prayer. Prayer is so important because in prayer we are in communion with God. God wants to hear from you and build a relationship with you. And through prayer, we get to be in communion with God. We get to talk with him and he talks back with us, not all the time, 
But God will always answer, sometimes in ways that we don't necessarily like, but he always answers. And he's always going to to provide and be faithful. Go to God in prayer and ask God to grow a childlike faith in you. And finally, establish Christian community. The body of Christ is called to support one another through encouragement and accountability. In regard to accountability, the community you surround yourself with can call you out on your sins lovingly and walk alongside you as you grow in faith, as you grow in childlike faith, and also mature in faith. So brothers and sisters, I encourage you to join me as I lean into God and learn to have a childlike faith through prayer, community, reading scripture, and living into the story of God. But it's also important to remember that God is not asking us to do something that he has not already done. Remember that God the Son, Jesus Christ, willingly humbled himself by taking on flesh, being born of an unwed virgin woman, who was poor, who was the least in society. God was willing to become the least of these. And then he experienced physical development and he was completely dependent upon Mary and Joseph to raise him and provide for him. We don't serve a God who has abandoned us to figure out how to be humble on our own. Rather, we serve a God who embraces humility by taking on flesh and who understands what it means to be fully human. How great is our God? Maybe like the teenagers I worked with at the children's home, there's something in your life that's preventing you from fully embracing God with open hands and open heart and full trust. However, I urge you all the more to run to Christ and learn how to be a child Pray that God increases a childlike faith in you. Sit at the foot of the cross and learn the humility of Christ to learn childlike humility. The children at the children's home that I worked with and served, they had their trust broken. But during their time at the home, they also received intense counseling. They had a roof over their heads. They had all their physical needs met. They learned how to set healthy boundaries. They learned how to receive love for myself and the other workers. And I have to say, it truly was an honor and blessing because as I spent time with them, I received them as they were and where they were. I didn't expect them to be at a certain level or a certain standard. Instead, I just met them where they were. And that's how Christ met me. He met me where I was. And he's increased my faith over time through being in in relationship with him. And so I receive these children as Christ received me. And that's how Christ receives you. He receives you as you are, but he does not leave you there. He increases your faith. So I urge you, trust him, because he will increase your faith. He will help you grow. We have a good father who gives good gifts. I don't know all of your stories or what may be hindering you from approaching Christ's embrace, or who has hurt you and prevented you from receiving God with a childlike faith. However, I urge all of you to lean into God through scripture and prayer and the story of God and boldly approach the throne of God with complete humility to receive God and Christ with outstretched arms, complete trust, and childlike faith.
Ask God to create a childlike faith in you. God has not failed in any of his promises to his people, and he will not fail now. I know it's not easy. It's not easy to have a childlike faith at all. But by the grace of God, he can grow that in you. But he grows it in you not for your own glory, but for his glory alone. We serve and love a God, and you are loved by a good God and Father who provides for us and keeps his promises to his children. I don't know what God has planned for me in the Global Methodist Church or back in Texas. This is, it's not always easy to trust, but having a childlike faith and saying, Lord, I don't know where you're taking me. I don't know what you're gonna do, but I trust you completely. I know you're gonna provide. And church, I know he's gonna do the same thing for y'all. I don't know exactly what God is gonna do here, but I know he's gonna do something amazing and special here under the leadership of Pastor Andrew, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I know this congregation is so special. And God has not abandoned y'all. He has walked with y'all through difficult seasons and he will continue to walk alongside y'all. God always provides for God's people and you are his children, so he will provide. Each and every one of you are his beloved children, so I encourage each of you to submit to the Lordship of Christ and trust and obey your Lord, your Savior, and your good Father, because he loves you. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, create in us clean hearts and a childlike faith so that we might be your people and give glory and honor to you always and everywhere. Amen.